Take your Bibles this morning, please, and turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Paul, with Silas and Timothy, visited Ephesus on his second missionary journey. Paul spent two years there, ministering to the people and teaching them the truths of God's Word. Timothy eventually became the pastor of the church at Ephesus. Now we fast forward 10 years. Paul is in a Roman prison. He had been given a trip to Rome courtesy of the Roman government. But even though it's been 10 years, Paul continues to be interested in this local body of believers. And he has heard something. He has heard that the people have continued to be faithful. He has heard that they have lived out spiritual blessings for the purpose of glorifying God. He has heard that the folks have been effective in their ministry. I wonder, 10 years from now, what will be said of Calvary Baptist Church, Battle Creek? What would someone who knows us today write about us 10 years from this point? And as Paul is writing back to these faithful believers, he's recognizing the truths that kept them focused, truths that will keep us focused if we're going to continue to be the kind of people that God wants us to be. They were focused on their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that's a good focus for us today. Our confidence in Christ, recognizing that we can do nothing of ourselves, but it's all about God's grace. For by grace are we saved through faith. Amen? Not of ourselves. Gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. They continued to recognize love toward all the saints. Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Recognizing that it's important for us to have the other person's best interest at heart. It's important for us not to think on our own things, but to think on the things of others. And to love someone enough to help them be encouraged, even perhaps when... Things aren't going our way. As Paul recognized their faith in the Lord Jesus, as he understood their love toward all the saints, he gives thanks for them. And he prays for them. Look with me at verse 16, will you please? Ephesians chapter 1, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, 
that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which you have been called. What was going to help them continue to be the congregation that God wanted them to be? It was knowing the hope to which they had been called. It's important for you and I to get our eyes off ourselves and get our eyes on God. Because it is God who is the God of hope. And he has called us not to get mired down in this culture. But to recognize all of the blessings and benefits we have in him. And that is our hope. I've used a quote from Gene Getz over the last couple of weeks. And I want to give it to you again because it's important. A mature body of Christ-like believers reflects hope. They know with certainty that they will be sustained during the trials of daily living and that they will, be, will someday be delivered from this world. Underline in your minds the words, a mature body of Christ-like believers reflects hope. Can I ask you this morning, what discourages you? What disappoints you? I mean, what really gets you down? Maybe I could ask it this way. What don't you like about Calvary Baptist Church that you put up with anyway? The hope that God has given to us needs to be reflected in every area of our lives even when something takes place that we may not appreciate or like because our hope is not in that which we don't appreciate or like our hope is in God who is always good amen so the next time I preach a message that you don't like get your eyes off of me and get it on God will you please because I'll do that every once in a while. Maybe even more than every once in a while. The next time we sing a song that doesn't float your boat, get your eyes off of your boat and get them on God. Because as we say, God is when? And all the time, or when we leave out a song that you really wanted to sing today. Get your eyes off your disappointment and get them on God. Because that is what mature Christ-like believers will do as they reflect the hope that God has given to us. Now last week we started this message and we began to look at the four benefits that we have in our hope. And, and I, I think it's important to recognize that there's some real positive stuff in our hope. 
The first benefit is this. Hope helps us to know God better. Romans chapter 5 is a wonderful passage of Scripture. And it says that we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Amen? Let's try that again. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Amen? Thank you. Now I'm setting you up a bit. Because that passage goes on to say this. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Why? Because we know that suffering produces endurance and endurance character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. My wife likes to repeat this phrase. There is no testimony without a test. I want you to know she stole that. And I know who she stole it from, and she'll tell you who she stole it from. But our hope helps us to know God better because God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. Amen? Not only does hope help us to know God better, but hope also opens up the riches of God. Think about everything that we have through Christ Jesus as children of God. Isn't it great to be a Christian? I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. Because being a Christian is all about being out of this world. And one day that will happen. It opens up the riches of God. The unsearchable riches of God. Both now and for eternity. Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. That's now. Jesus said, I am come that you may have eternal life. That's forever. And hope opens the riches of God to us. You know this song? It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of His dear face So bravely run the race. So bravely run the race till we see Christ. The riches that God has given to us will be realized when we see Christ. Now there are two more advantages to hope that we want to look at very quickly this morning. And there are advantages that I trust will encourage us as we seek to live out this hope. Our hope is the power, the power of God 
to us who believe. Look with me at verse 19, will you please? Ephesians 1.19. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward those who believe? According to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. I want you to circle a word in your Bible. In my Bible, it's immeasurable. In your Bible, it may be exceeding. The word immeasurable has the idea of that which excels, that which is excellent, that which is beyond. And God has given to us the exceeding power that we need. Now, there are two other exceeding things that Paul mentions here in Ephesians. Let me give them to you very quickly. Look with me at verse 7 of chapter 2. So that in the coming ages he might show you the immeasurable, exceeding riches of his grace. Jump over to chapter 3, will you? Look at verse 19. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses, that's the word, exceeding, that surpasses exceeding knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Did you notice what we've been given? We've been given exceeding power. We've been given exceeding riches. We've been given exceeding knowledge. Whatever, think, whatever you think you need, you got more. Whatever you think you have, there's more. Whatever you think is possible, it's beyond that. Our hope gives to us the power because we believe in a God who is supreme and omniscient and omnipotent and able to do abundantly above the, all that we would ever ask or think. I sometimes am embarrassed by my puny prayers. Jesus said, if I had faith of a grain of mustard seed, I'd say this mountain... Remove yourself and cast in the sea. Be cast in the sea. I've never done that. Jesus said, if I had the faith of a grain of mustard seed, I'd say to this tree, be plucked up and pushed over. I've never done that either. What would happen if you and I prayed prayers according to the power that's available to us in God? We'd move a lot of mountains. We'd pluck up a whole bunch of trees. And we would see the great and grandeur of God working in people's lives. You see, our hope is a confident assurance that our God is able to do abundantly above what we ever ask or think. Amen? So let me encourage you. Broaden your prayer life. Ask God for the impossible. Ask God to help us impact this city for his honor and his glory. Seems impossible. 
ask God to use us to make a difference in Calhoun County, in Barry County, for his honor and his glory. Ask God to use you to impact the life of that person that you've been concerned about for years and years and years and years. See, God gives to us the immeasurable power and riches and knowledge. We just need to avail ourselves of it. But not only do we have immeasurable power and riches and knowledge, we also have his working. Did you notice that in verse 19? Working of his great might. Now the word working there has the idea of energy. You ever get tired? I mean just weary. Yesterday was one of those days for me. I, I just whipped all day. I don't know why. Just didn't want to do anything. Didn't feel like doing anything. <laughs> you ever get those? Paul, in writing to the believers at Ephesus, said when you get those kinds of days, Remember the hope that is in you because that hope produces the working energy that you need. And did you see what that work is identified as? Great might. The Greek words mega dunamis. Big dynamite. I believe in the Big Bang. There it is. It's the power of God working in my life. And it's this mega, mega, say that word with me, will you please? Here we go. Mega, the mega power of God, the the mega dunamis, dynamite of God to do beyond anything we would ever ask or think. That's what God can do. How big's your God? Is he bigger than your problems? Yeah, well, maybe. Really? Our hope gives us the power, the megadunamis, according to his great might. And how did he illustrate that? He raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the throne of God. I'll tell you what. I want the power of a God who can raise the dead. How about you? I want the power of a God who's involved in resurrection. I want the power of God who can do the impossible. That's the hope that we have in the power of God in our lives. His great might. The NIV says his strength of his might. King James says his mighty power. Here we have in the ESV his great might. 
however it's translated in your copy of the scriptures, it's good stuff. Might of the power of God. And the might of the power of God, verse 21, is far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Now, these characteristics, rule, authority, power, and dominion, are characteristics that the Jewish people gave to angels. Now, we have identified in Scripture some angels for us, right? One was Lucifer. He's identified in Ezekiel chapter 14. It's not a good illustration of power. But he had enough power to say that he was going to exalt himself above the heavens. Remember that? You like the, that was a bad use of power. There are two other angels that are identified in Scripture. One is Gabriel. Gabriel was a messenger of God. It was Gabriel that came to Joseph and said that which is of Mary conceived the Holy Spirit. It was to Mary who said, you are going to be with child. It's, it's Gabriel who gives the messages of God to people. And then there's my favorite, Michael. Michael, come blow your horn. Remember that one? Michael is the angel of strength, the angel of might, the angel, according to Jude, that contested with the devil over the body of Moses. That's what Michael did. Now, these terms are terms that were used of angels. And what the writer is saying is that God's power is far above all this stuff. So if you think angels are big stuff, they're not near as big as God. The rule of anybody or anything is not as big as our God. The authority of anybody or anything is not as big as our God. The power of anybody or anything is not as big as our God. The dominion of anybody or anything is not as big as our God. Amen? I want to encourage you with that this morning. Whatever you're struggling with, know that those who have rule or authority or power or dominion pale in comparison with our God. We have a great God. And what does God do to us as we live out our hope? Verse 23, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. God encourages us with his fullness. Now, I want you to note here that if you look at the last word, at least in my copy of the scriptures, of verse 22, he's talking about a corporate fullness. He's talking about the church. He's talking about his body. And our goal should be that Calvary Baptist Church reflect the fullness of God. Amen? 
We should be known in Battle Creek as a church that is full of God. Our reputation should be such that people drive by this place or even think about this place and recognize that the people there who worship, worship in the fullness of God because they are full of Him. Amen? I trust that 10 years from now, when somebody's writing about Calvary Baptist Church, one of the things that they will identify is those folks are full of God. Amen? The church, the assembly. That, that's why we worship. That's why we sing. That's why we oper- have opportunities to serve. That's why we're good stewards. Because we want to demonstrate that we are focused on the fullness of God, not ourselves. As a church body. But I want you to go over to verse 19 of chapter 3 very quickly. Because not only corporately are we to be filled with the fullness of God, individually we are to be filled with the fullness of God. And to know, verse 19 of chapter 3, the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you individually may be filled with the fullness, all the fullness of God. You know how a church gets the reputation of being filled with the fullness of God? Its members are filled with the fullness of God. The people who worship there are filled with the fullness of God. The folks who are identified with that place are filled with the fullness of God. It used to be in corporate America that men were required to wear white shirts and ties to the office. Why? Because they had a reputation to uphold. It didn't make them any better employees. It didn't make them any smarter. It was just part of the reputation, right? You know, you and I have a reputation to keep up. And that's the reputation of Jesus Christ. The way we walk, the way we talk, the way we conduct ourselves. What we put on social media, ooh, that hurt. Our tweets on Twitter, ouch. Our interaction with one another. You see, it's not about us. It's about who he is and what he wants to accomplish in our life. It's being filled with the fullness of God. Because 10 years from now, It won't matter what you put on Facebook. It might matter today. Or what you tweeted on Twitter. Try to say that three times fast. Twitter tweets. It's all about the fullness of God. And how's that identified in the believers who are in Ephesus? The same way it ought to be identified in our lives. 
by our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, by our love toward all the saints, and by the hope, the hope to which we have been called. This morning we are going to celebrate the Lord's table. And we are going to recognize his blood and his body. And that's our hope, is it not? That's the hope to which we've been called. Because Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, was buried and rose again. Amen? According to the Scriptures. And one day, this corruptible thing will put on incorruption. And one day, this mortal thing will put on immortality. And one day, death will be swallowed up in victory. Because thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ.